Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another marvelous episode. As Charlie and I are excited to talk about an exhilarating week of Mets baseball. We've gained some players. We've lost some players. We've won some games. We've lost some games. But as fate would have it, the Mets are in first place of the National League East. With more guys working their way towards a return from the injured list, one can only hope that we can only get better. And we're going to get into all of that and more on this week's episode of Amazing Talk. So something truly remarkable has happened. Uh, some might even say it's incomprehensible in this day and age in baseball. The calendar has turned to June, and somehow, by the grace of God, the New York Mets are still in first place. Is this real life, Charlie? We have three and a half games up, too. It's not even like we're in first place. We have a nice, nice lead, and we're going to be heading into mid-June, pretty much. So that's even more remarkable. Yeah, and even with the absurd amount of injuries you know, that the Mets have dealt with throughout the first two months of the season – they continue to find ways to get it done. And they find ways to win. They, uh, we just had an awesome series against San Diego. I was begging just to win one game. I said, if we win one game, I'll be happy. We, took, we split, you know, split the series, which is uh, really great in itself. Yeah, and I was hoping we – at the very least, I was hoping we would split the series, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, and you, you got to feel pretty good splitting a series with one of the best teams in baseball right now. So – they definitely left San Diego with their heads held high. That's for sure. But uh, we will get into that. But yes, definitely a good thing. And we, we know how, how good the pitching has been. Uh, DeGrom, Stroman, Walker, they've all been phenomenal. Uh, outside of the front three of the rotation, things get a little murky with, you know, with Peterson, Lucchese and whatnot. But aside from the starting pitching and the bullpen, the Mets defense throughout the course of this season thus far is a big reason why we're sitting at the top of the division right now. They had their bad games as well, though. They had those games that they looked horrible out there. But <clears throat> Cubs <although> series. Most... <clears throat> <laughs> they don't any games for games. <laughs> but outside of that, yes, outside of a few games here and there that were abysmal. But, you know, it happens again. It happens to even the best teams. But currently the Mets, the New York freaking Mets currently are ranked number two in defensive runs saved in all of baseball with 36. Tampa, Tampa Bay is right in front with 49. They're in first. But uh, who, would, who would have thought the Mets would be in such a category? I mean, especially for a franchise that has not had a focus on defense for the longest time now. And it's just yeah. so it's, it's exciting to see and it's refreshing to watch. Yeah, well, Villar, Lindor, Alonzo, Ian McCann would make a great player first base. Um, and they've all been picking up the ball and making, making moves. Yeah, they've been making it work. They, they all look great. The defense has definitely picked this team up when they needed it to. But, yeah, second overall in defense, I'll, I will take that any day of the week. And yeah. it's, it's definitely, again, it's definitely uplifting when you think about how we persevered without a lot of our top guys and how we can only get better as we start to get guys back from the injured list. I mean, we've already got Alonzo and Pilar back, who, by the way, I am blown. I am absolutely blown away by how quickly Pilar rejoined the team. <laughs> I mean, Bad absolutely man. amazing. A 95 mile per hour fastball to the face. And here, you know, two, what is it? Two weeks later, he comes back. Yeah. He's a, he's a tough, tough player. Tough player. I really like him. He, he got a lot of respect from a lot of uh, Mets fans. I think, uh, Many, many of my fans, that when, they, when we signed Pilar, we're not like, oh, what a big signing, you know, what is this? But it showed you right there that, you know, that you need that kind of player in the clubhouse. You need that kind of player that plays it all. And uh, I think he earned a lot of respect 
from that fan so many for a couple years, more years to come when he plays for us. Absolutely. And I hope it is for a while. And uh, yeah, so not only did we get Alonzo and Pilar, but uh, we, it was announced today we should be getting uh, Albert Almora Jr. back soon. He's going to be starting. Uh, in fact, I think he's starting a rehab assignment today. And McNeil's starting a rehab, uh, rehab assignment today as well. My name is Jeff. Yes. That's so good. it's looking good. Yeah. Be- between Almora and McNeil, they should be coming back soon, which will be a huge boost to this lineup. Oh, and the Conforto's hopefully next week. Yeah, Conforto oh, isn't too far behind either. So, you know, th- things are looking good. Barring any setbacks, we're, you yep. know, we're looking good, especially when time comes around, when we start playing those multi-double headers and we, we really start to grind it out. Uh, so these guys are going to start to come back right in time, I think. Yeah, and the Luis Col- Col- Colorme, I can't even say his last yeah, name. Yeah, Guillaume. Yep. <laughs> is going to be playing, is, uh, is on his way back too. So things are looking good. Um I, I want an update on Carrasco. Do you know any update on Carrasco? Uh, I have not heard anything, which... We need, we need a pitcher. I really think going to the All-Star game, and if we don't have Carrasco back and Syndergaard is still not getting ready, I think we need to get a starter pitcher. I think we need somebody to have the rudder in there. Yeah. Um, and and see if we can move Pierce into kind of a bullpen role uh, because... He's in lights up, and he needs to work on some mechanics. I think his stuff is there, but he needs to start working, um, get more training. Yeah, Peterson is way too inconsistent. I think he is in his own head at the moment. Um, He he reminds me of a Mats 2.0 at times. Yes, he does. does. I I, I see the stuff is there. I see it. I just, just, like, can't hold on to it. Well, serious. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with the schedule set up the way it is this week, the Mets have an opportunity to distance themselves even further from the pack. We have a rematch with the Orioles for two games this week. But while that's going on, the Braves and the Phillies will be going toe-to-toe for, in a division battle, and the Nationals will be playing the red-hot Tampa Bay Rays. And then it'll be a, ser- uh, you know, a series of the bottom feeders between the Marlins and the Rockies. So the Mets have a tremendous opportunity this week to provide even more separation from the rest of the NL East this week. So we'll see if they can take advantage of it. They should. They should be able to. Um, versus Harvey tomorrow, which we should kill upon. Um, and we also have – we also work in the Orioles, which is not that great of a team. So um, I'm hoping a sweep. I'm hoping a two-game sweep would be nice. And heading to San Diego at four-game winning streak would be nice as well. Yep. And we'll have it – we'll roll into there to uh, have a, an immediate rematch with San Diego on our home turf. So that'll that'll be interesting since we just saw each other. So – We'll see. But again, we're starting to get guys back. Hopefully we'll have some maybe one or two players going into uh, the series with the Padres back. Who knows? We'll have to see. But while we are talking on the subject of injuries, uh, let's get into some injury updates. Uh, we talked about Cindergard, But yeah, let's get the bad news out of the way first. Uh, you know, during our last episode, Charlie was alerted that, you know, Noah, who had been recovering t- from Tommy John surgery since March of 2020, had a severe setback during one of his rehab games. At, th- at the time, I was like, uh, hopefully it's nothing serious. But we later learned that, you know, he had elbow inflammation, which is not not great news. And- yeah, it'd be lucky if he even comes back this year. I really still, that's why I said um, one of our goals should be now to get pitchers starting uh, for before the trade deadline. And down the stretch there, so maybe get a pitcher that's a veteran and just see if they could get that person in there. Uh, everybody says Botol Cologne should come back. I wouldn't mind <laughs> put that out there, but we should get a veteran out there, you know, to get there and trade that line. I think that's one of the moves, especially now that Noah 
they say in August, but I really I'm I'm starting to course him off my my schedule and seeing that he's not gonna be back at all this year and start planning that way. I am not holding my breath for Syndergaard at, at this point. I mean with the, the shoulder inflammation, it, it's very common, supposedly, with players re- recovering from Tommy John surgery. There was no new structural damage the MRI showed, which was great. But w- the fact that Syndergaard was shut down from throwing for at least six weeks, you know, he'll get treatment. But then he's going to need to build back up for six weeks to build himself back up. So at this point, you're looking at late August at the earliest. But honestly, again, at this point, I cannot see him pitching a game for us this season. But on the bright side, I, 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 would, I would like to think it almost guarantees that he will be back in a Mets uniform next season. They'll strike some kind of a deal because, you know, he's going to want to prove himself that he can pitch, you know, and he can stay healthy. Exactly. So I would assume the Mets will extend him a qualifying offer. We talked about this in other episodes. I, I highly doubt anyone's going to want to sign Syndergaard coming off of, a, you know, almost two years removed from Tommy John surgery. And he hasn't pitched for, for two seasons now. So, but then again, you might, you might get, you know, some desperate teams out there saying, Hey, let's, let's take a chance on Syndergaard. Let's throw a contract at him, but I can't see it happening, but it is possible. So again, like you said, you know, if Carrasco, I want to talk about Carrasco too, but you know, if Carrasco is out even further and, you know, there's no, no hope of Syndergaard coming back, then yes, the trade deadline, I think we're going to be making moves. We're going to add a pitcher. We're definitely going to need to add a pitcher regardless if we want to, you know, go deep into, into the fall, into October and make a run. But yeah, we're, it's just going to be the waiting game and seeing, but again, I do not see, I do not see Syndergaard pitching for us this season. We'll see. Yeah. Did you, about the speaking of trade deadline, I know we're still far away, but I don't know if you heard today on the news. I was, I got alert. I was watching, I was reading something that the Mets are interesting in bringing back Azubo Cabrera. Interesting. I did yeah, not hear that. Okay. Very interesting. I found I was like, okay. Is it, you know, for infielder and, and getting some more pop in the bat and uh, to have more depth in the infield. So I, don't I, know. I would not mind that. You know, I, I always liked Azdrubal. Uh, I thought he was great when he, he's a great player all around. He still has it. Um, I would not mind ha- having him back on the team. I, I was a little turned off when, uh, when the Mets did not re sign him and he went to go play with Washington in 2019 and uh he was he was very bitter about the whole situation that he was not re-signed by the Mets I, I get it you know you st- you're with a group of guys you bond with them you you, you hope that you would sign back with them but the fact that the Mets did not re-sign him he seemed to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder if you listen to some of his interviews and uh yeah. so yeah so but again I that's nothing I don't take that personally with him you know you you want to go where you want to go it just didn't work it wasn't in the cards for him but but I would not mind having him back at all. So I think he would add a, uh, some, like you said, some good pop to the lineup. So we'll see. But yeah, that would be def- definitely something to keep an eye out as we get closer to the. Uh, the uh, there's gonna be rumors, but yeah, I heard that rumor today. So like, there's yeah, there's I like that rumor, but there's rumors all over. There, there's rumors now that the Yankees are going to be sellers come the trade deadline. I don't see that happening. Uh, I, I see sellers because they. I don't think the Yankees are going to make the playoffs this year. I, I'm of course. There, there is, yeah, that that's a that's a tight division there, and they they I nobody expected it to be that way for for the uh, the AL East, but that's yeah. uh that, that that division is what they expected the NL East to be, <laughs> especially that the Red Sox came in there and just swept them and made the Yankees a horrible this weekend. Yeah, uh, it the Yankees are not in good shape, and you know it's still early, but. Mm-hmm. I, I can see the Yankees being sellers and trying to rebuild again. Uh, they need to I, – I think they actually need to actually do that. I mean, they're not, they're not doing terrible. They have a winning record. I think they're 
four or five games above 500 right now, you know, they're hanging in there, but the right, everyone else in the, in the division is doing the same. They're just taking off. So, you know, it, you know, one step forward, two steps back for the Yankees. And it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just a tough place to be right now. And nobody foresaw that division being that way. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see them being sellers per se. I think they're, you know, like anybody else, they're going to try to acquire pieces that they need to compete. But honestly, I think I see Aaron Boone getting the boot before any other moves are made. I think he, he's uh, his, his job's on the line right now, no doubt. I agree with that. I agree um, with that. I like Aaron Boone, actually. I like him, too. Yeah, well, we'll see. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting uh, next couple of months as we approach the uh, July deadline. So, uh, but, again, that said, uh, I do want to talk about Carrasco again. Um, I really had not heard much regarding him since we last spoke about him one player that the Mets were hoping would be a big contribution to the rotation was Carlos Carrasco. You know, again, they, they, they weren't really thinking they were going to get much from Syndergaard when he came back, but they were really hoping for Carrasco. And they, they, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that he can contribute at some point this season, but, you know, started the list on the injured list due to a hamstring tear and he's supposedly progressing well, but he's still a ways away from getting a rehab assignment. So I, I, at this point, I don't know if he's having setbacks or they're just being overly cautious with him at this point so that they can get him back in when we need an extra arm in the rotation. So I, I, at this point, I mean, I don't know anything more than you. I'm hoping mid-July we can get him, you know, get yeah. him back. But July. When yeah. But it was May, May, and then now it's July. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I hope he I hope I hope he's in there. I hope, you know. Like I said, we need a, a star pitcher. If we're going to – if Crasto and Syndergaard are not going to be in this rotation this year going forward, by the trade deadline, we need to get a star pitcher that's a veteran and um, get somebody out there as well. I think Pearson, Lucchese are they, – they, they're okay some games and they are, do horrible at other games. They're inconsistent, and you cannot have that going to, let's say, let's that, not jinx it, the playoffs if the Mets are still a contender team. So those two players should get done, get thrown into the bullpen as long leaf. And that bullpen has been way overworked, uh, which we'll get into as well. But that will help out everything scenario as well. Yes. And while we are talking about potential trade targets, and while we're on the subject of the injured list as well, I want to talk about J.D. Davis because he is not progressing nearly as well as the Mets had hoped. He still has that lingering hand issue. And it, he's still a ways away from swinging the bat and not for nothing. I'm not concerned at this point because VR Jonathan VR has stepped up big time. And even though he's day to day now at this point with the hamstring issue himself, as far as I'm concerned, he is a far superior defender and just as good offensively as JD Davis. So he's an upgrade in my opinion. I mean, he's, he's made a lot of plays that I do not have confidence JD could have made. And Honestly, even though Davis is coming off of an injury, I would not be surprised if we use him as trade bait leading up to the, de the deadline. I mean, even though he's injured, you know, somebody might want to take a chance on him. We could package him with somebody else. Who knows? But at this point, I'd rather stick with VR at third. He's coming back tonight. He's going to be in the starting lineup. So that's really uh, big news on that way as well. And he's been hitting the ball, playing great defense. He reminds me, keeps, I keep saying, reminds me of like the old Valdespin. Yes. <laughs> I keep seeing him. I see him up a bat and watch him at the game. He reminds me of that kind of player. 
Um, yeah, he stepped up big time. I did not think it was a great move when we got Willar. I mm-hmm. thought it was okay. I said, all right, helps on the bench. He has stepped up big time. And I had no problems with him being uh, everyday third baseman going forward for right now, yeah, for the time being. And I, I won't mind training Davis to pick up some solid player as well. And um, Davis, I was, I, I was worried why uh, your favorite manager was making him face. Um, but I think he should have came back then and maybe he wouldn't be on the injury list then or reactivated something then as well. But who knows? He can control the, yeah, the past. Yeah, and I think that's why they're exercising extreme caution with VR, who has been one of the most productive players, both at the plate and in the field. And, you know, again, he had the hamstring tightness last week in Arizona. It does not appear to be worthy of an injured list stint yet. Like you said, he's going to be back in the lineup tonight. But the Mets definitely want to exercise caution with him, especially how they mishandled McNeil with a similar injury. You know, he had the tight hamstring and then he rested a couple of days. They threw him back out there. And now he was out even longer. So they do not want to do the same thing with VR, obviously. But, you know, I, I do need to take a minute here and eat some crow soup regarding VR. Because I mentioned in one of our earlier episodes this season that I thought VR, like you, you know, I, I thought he was a great bat off the bench. But I didn't see him contributing much beyond that as an everyday player. And boy, have I never been so happy to be wrong. <laughs> Again, he's, he's consistently been one of the... the the Mets most productive players. So I just had to make it a point to call myself out on that crap. I agree with you. I, I agree. I was, I was wrong. I think many Mets fans were wrong too, because yeah. like Pilar, like Pilar um, and many of my fans will probably agree with that too. I was wrong in that way too. I didn't think it was an excellent trade or a done deal at the, when we got Pilar and he turned put me wrong. Yeah. Why don't we move on to recapping some games over the last two weeks? Charlie, what have the Mets been up to? The Mets have been hanging in there. Uh, they've been winning some games. We started on the 24th. I think it was the last game we, we were, were talking about. It was the Colorado series. Um, the, the Mets took well, three out of four in Colorado. Um, so that was pretty good. The first game was was a little bit shaky. We, only, we lost by a game of three to two. But yeah, that was the yeah, four game series. We, we should have swept that, but you know, I'll take two. I'll take three out of four. Why not? This actually did a piss out that 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 day of that game. He had three long balls, um, which three home runs he gave up, and the Mets kind of fought back in the end of the game. They showed some life in them, uh, but they got pretty. They couldn't hit against this guy that was unknown player. Um, he threw a no hitter heading into like the fifth inning. And it shut out the whole game. We only had one hit against him heading into the ninth. Um, so he pitched a pretty solid game, and you never heard of this guy. So the Mets' bats were just awful that game. Mm-hmm. But uh, they showed some life in there, and that's when McCann started his uh, little hot streak that he's on now. And yeah. uh, you know, that was the start of everything as well. Yeah, that was that 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 ignited the spark for sure. For uh, Dom Smith too, I think he started coming around that series as well. Yeah, yeah so but especially, especially McCann. McCann, I, I I was waiting for it because I knew McCann uh, is a great player, and I was excited when we got him. And I was like, all right, he's gonna be a guy that hits start home runs, and then he was a guy that that looked like a man Ramos out there. But um, yeah, he definitely got. I think I got. I think he got hurt. That Nito was getting the you know, everyday player role and Nito's he was getting, getting the, the time, bench role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he that's why he kind of stepped up. And I'll give credit to Luis, uh, Luis on that one, um, which is a shocker. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Are we recording? Wait, you're giving credit to 
You're giving credit to Luis. Oh my god. I'll give credit to Luis to actually step up and make it you make you know didn't go by the money when he went by who's has the hotter hands. So I'm gonna get credit to Luis on that one. Uh don't get used to it, Steve. <laughs> I have you on tape. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I think that helped uh, ignite something under McCann because uh, he he broke out in a big way. He's hitting homers left and right. The power is there, he's driving the ball. So he, I, th- I think his whole approach has changed and uh, it's working for him. So I hope he can keep it going. Yeah, we took three out of four from the Rockies. Would have loved the sweep, but hey, Vegas can't be choosers. I'll take the three wins. And then we uh, we headed over to it. Oh, no, we were still at City, right? For the Braves? Atlanta. Yeah. yeah the still, we were still at City. We only had a one game series in Atlanta. I think both of us were wrong. We both were saying we we're going to get killed this weekend. Yeah, I we're get yeah, killed I, this weekend. We both were seeing Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I I remember like, I remember it was like it was yesterday. What did I say again? We're in for a world of hurt this weekend. It's going to happen. World of hurt this weekend. World of hurt. World of hurt. World of hurt. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> I said they were going to get killed. <laughs> but granted, it was a small sample. It was one game. They got the one game in. They ended up they ended up blowing them out of the water, thirteen to two, which was amazing. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think had it been a full series, it might have been. Also, a, rac- a raccoon that day too, as well, because Lindor actually stepped out. Stepped, um, that's when he started his hot streak, right? Um, so Lindor has actually been hitting the ball. He had a nice home run. He's been looking a lot better at the plate. Um, he actually looks like a player now. He doesn't look like a Triple A guy or Double A yeah. guy, whatever he looked like. Um, his head is more focused. He's not still not that. Oh, oh my God! But he's. He's picking up there. I think he's getting there. I think he's, what, he's almost a 300 average in the last, what, 10 games? Yeah. Yeah. His average has jumped over the last 10 games. He's doing He's doing great. He looks great. He looks comfortable at the plate. And uh, he's confident. And it shows. So that was a big win in itself. 13-2. We scored the most runs we scored all season so far. Yep. Um, that was a very big, big game. And we won out there. Unfortunately, we couldn't play the other two games. So we had one game there. Yeah, the relentless but- rain. Kept coming, yeah. Yeah. The Mets only got one game in with Atlanta, but they made a count, and 13-2, I will take it. So, obviously, obviously those games were rescheduled. I don't know when they're playing those makeup games. It's going to be the 21st. They have a doubleheader, um, which June. is going to be in June. Okay. So, they have a doubleheader. It's going to be that three-game series, which is 21st, 22nd, 23rd. It turned into a four-game series now which makes the schedule even much harder because we have three doubleheaders in the course of one week of baseball. Um, so who's going to pitch those games? I don't know. But <laughs> far now. <laughs> and July 26th week, we have another doubleheader, which is July 26th, 27th, 28th. We're going to have a, um, a five-game series against Atlanta from the 26th to the 29th of July. So that's going to be very interesting as well. Mm. Things are going to get very tough for the Mets with this schedule getting compressed. Yeah. There were many off days in the beginning and there's still off days with two day off days this week. Um, but after this after this Thursday, the schedule gets really compressed, compressed. And I think there's gonna be a lot of games. And the most thing that scares me the most right now is our bullpen. And yeah. you might be saying why our bullpen scaring me because we use them to way, way, way too much and it's gonna blow up mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think, yeah, they've been pitching great, but you're going to get to a point, you, they're going to hit a wall. And you don't want that, you don't want that wall to come at the, 
the worst time possible because at the beginning of the season, they were all pitching great. And then what was it? We, it was right when we went into the series with Tampa Bay Rays, uh, granted Tampa Bay, they played great baseball all around, but at that point it was starting to show how taxed the bullpen was because they were overused prior to that leading up to that point. So I fear, again, I'm with you. I fear that we are heading towards that, you know, round two of the bullpen hitting that wall and getting depleted. So we definitely need to get them rested and not use them carelessly. But again, credit to Rojas. He, he's been using them. He's been using them well. He's been making, he's been pushing the right buttons as of right now, but that, that's only going to get you so far. You know, sure. things are going to, things are going to go awry. It's going to happen, but we just got to hope that doesn't happen at the wrong time. So yeah. But, well, to finish the month of May with a 17 and nine record, I think, would you, would you thought that going into May that we'll have a 17 and nine record the month of May? No, no. Nice. I I don't I don't know I don't know what I was thinking, but it wasn't that. <laughs> I didn't think that either. I thought the Met, I thought the Mets were gonna like, you know getting a five hundred record that'd be great, but they they uh, proved me wrong. They were they played excellent baseball and had a bunch of injuries in the month of May. I think it's one of the best Mays in a long long time for our team. Yeah, especially with all the injuries, and they were making it work. And there you go, a seventeen and nine record. So I am beyond thrilled with that. I will take it. But uh, we're actually the second best record in Major League Baseball for the month of May, which is the Mets. So, which is really significant in itself because um, there are there are good teams out there. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, and we're we're going to meet them very soon. And you know, and and also the the Mets have a great record, but you know they also lead with the league low of fifty-one games because of all the postponements. So, it's going to balance out sooner or later. But I, I. we just got to hope that we keep keep rolling and staying hot. But again, you know, we have a lot of double headers coming our way in the not too distant future. So they're going to be put to the, to the test very soon. But the, the good news is with all these postponements is we'll be starting to get our guys back from the injured list in the upcoming stretch. So that that's that's the silver lining in all these games coming up. So how are, how it's going to play out, that remains to be seen. But I am cautiously optimistic. So. We'll see. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So we'll talk about the Arizona series. Uh, the Arizona, we took, uh, was it two out of three? Yeah, two which out of three. Yep. We should have swept. We should have swept. That, that Tuesday game, um, which is, I guess, Diaz gave up that, run, that, that you know, back and forth game, and Diaz kind of gave up that uh, save opportunity. I don't blame yeah. Diaz. I, don't, I do not either. Uh, I don't blame him for that. No. He, you know, he's, he's been awesome this whole year. I mean, last year, he's been great. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have one of those games. It was a tight game. It was a one-run lead. And um, the guy's human. Had, yeah. The guy's human. And the guy, the guy still had looked look great out there. He still striked out a couple batters, got out of it. He didn't look like the Diaz that, you know, will that give up the save and then walk the whole block around the corner and keep walking guys. And he didn't do that this time. He gave up the home run. He went back to work, got us into the 10th inning. Unfortunately, we did lose the game, but. I think that was a you know a great back and forth game as well. Yeah, and then there was the the that the one we were talking about earlier with the Peterson start where he gave up the four runs in the first, and then he gave him right back, and then some in the bottom of the first. Yeah, so that was that, that was also another thing as well. And you know it, the Mets the Mets had a they scored a lot of runs at that series. Uh, they you know they a lot of close games, which yeah. I was not happy with, but they they uh, they scored a lot of runs. They, the bats came around, and McCann had big home runs. And Dora looked great out there. Yeah. And, and uh, Lugo came back that series too, and he looked okay. You know, he was, yeah, a, little rusty. Okay. He was a little rusty, but I'm glad to have him back. 
And, yes, and you know, the bull, again, we were talking, you know, talking about the bullpen being taxed. He's a good addition, you know, t- try to lighten that load. Speaking of the bullpen, how about Castro? I, I think Castro has been outstanding. This He's year. been amazing. He really has. I've been thoroughly impressed with Castro this season. He, he's he's been a good anchor in this pen. Yeah, and um, he had he's been all around. He's been starting off games, you know, pitching the, the ninth inning role. He's pitched all around different things, and he and he took every uh, different scenario and really pitched great. You know, he did have a couple of bad games here and there, but yeah. all, otherwise he's been his slider has been nasty. He's got. He, I don't know if you saw last week. He, he the guy that was up at bat, like who was who was, who, who was batting, but. He, he just like fell while he was swinging. Yeah, <laughs> it was a horrible swing. Now he's he's got a lot of crazy movement on those pitches. That's for sure. That's I love watching him. Yeah, great pickup. He's doing great so far this season. Yeah. So again, Peterson probably is worst. I would say it's his worst outing so far. He didn't even he didn't even get through the first inning against the Diamondbacks before he was pulled. But we'll see if he can get his head on straight against the Orioles tonight. I mean, but you know, again, even if even if Carrasco joins the rotation. At some point this season, you'd have to think Peterson's rotation spots in jeopardy, right? I mean, and, and if Carrasco doesn't rejoin the team by the all-star break, I'd say Peterson's spot may still be in jeopardy because, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, the Mets are going to go out there and they're going to look to pick up another starter at some point. Because, again, it's outside of the Grom, Stroman, and Walker. You have two very big question marks in the back end of the rotation. And if they're serious about competing and making a run for October baseball, then those are two huge issues that they're going to have to address and soon. Absolutely. And you, and you know, Cohen's not going to sit around. He hasn't sit around with this injury bug that had the Mets too. He got, he got these unknown players um, that actually really filled in McKinney, which is not actually not bad. I actually liked McKinney. No, I I love him. Yeah. And that was, that was a good move as well. He got these, it looks like, um, these kind of players remind me of a lot of, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, Steve Moneyball. That oh, yeah. They yep. remind me a lot of that. It, these unknown players that just get on base somehow, actually get the ball over and just move players around are kind of coming together off the Mets. And the Mets are a high-paying salary. But if you look at what the injuries have came to and who they, who they brought in here, mostly looking for players to get on base and that was a um which is one of the big reasons why we've been winning lately and uh playing great baseball that was a very yeah very good comparison with moneyball because that's exactly what it what it is right now you know they're 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 getting all these players these rant these players they're calling players up they're making small trades here and there just to fill just to fill in the holes and they're pushing all the right buttons they're they're doing everything that they need that needs to be done to win ball games. And, you know, obviously it's not, it's not always going to work out, but more often than not, it's working out there. Rohan and again, credit, credit to Rojas. You know, he's, he's using the pieces he has at his disposal and he's pushing across wins. He's making good choices. And... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him credit before. I can't give him credit again. All right. That, that's, my, where, that's where my, you my draw the line. My tongue is going to burn. <laughs> All right. All right. That's where you draw the line. I know where you stand now, Charlie. But <laughs> now, good comparison, though, about Moneyball. I, I thoroughly agree with that. And uh, after the series in Arizona, the Mets had arguably their biggest test of the season. They had a four game series with the National League West leading Padres, who have been on an absolute tear lately. I mean, of I course, Padres. actually, that's one of my favorite teams. One of my favorite teams. Yeah. I think the Padres are even since last year, I was like, what kind of hope for them to like break out in the playoffs? Um, they are excellent bunch of players out there. 
and I have to give credit to them because they they are a true true one. Of, I think the best one of the best teams in the National League, and uh, I'm happy that we split the series. Absolutely, yeah. They're they are just a, a well-rounded team all around, and I mean you have to, Fernando Tatis Jr., you got Manny Mercado. And, you know, all those guys, but their pitching staff has been top notch. I mean, they're, I think their rotation ERA is just, just slightly better than ours. You know, the Mets definitely had their work cut out for them this series. But again, I, I really hope that at the very least, we could split the series, take two out of four. And man, I'd be content with that. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So, hey, I will take a split series with an elite team any day of the week. So, yeah. And they, and they were in those games, too. Even every four games. That, yeah, that they weren't four, blowouts. Yeah. No blowouts. They nope. were in those horrible. They played, they played that, uh, that the first game of the series when they lost four to three. I think it was one of the best. It actually felt like a uh, October baseball atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. Like I agree. A player, too. The way both teams battled and looked great out there. And one of those games, you just got to tip your hat off to the team. You really cannot complain like, hey, we play great baseball. Um, and just tip your hat off because it was a great series. Uh, the 2-0 loss against on Friday was was another hard-felt game. Yeah, we didn't score any runs, but the crazy pitch great, I thought. Um, the Mets thing, the, you have to give credit to the great pitching that the San Diego had. I think he had an awesome pitching game. And um, he pitched a no-hitter going to, what, the seventh inning? Uh, yeah, seven innings. So yeah, and he looked great. That that pitcher, you know, is one of the best pitchers out there. So um, you can't really feel that bad. You know, we got shut out, but they played hard. They stayed in that game as well. Yeah, it, it it really is a testament to just to how well the Mets pitching has been. That we hung in these games with the lineup that the Padres have. So. I do not mind losing, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a gracious loser, but you know, it was, it was a great series and I'm happy to have split it. And the Grom, the Grom and Stroman killed it in the final two games of the series. Oh yeah. You know, the Grom, the Grom was the Grom. I mean, four nothing. He could, she got 11 strikeouts. Um, I was a little unhappy that he, he, he was pulled out after seven innings. I mm-hmm. thought he should have went longer. It's like, I think, 80 pitches, I think, for seven innings. Yeah, it was about he 80 pulled, pitches, yeah. Yeah, he was pulled short again. But I really think he should have went the whole nine. He just, he just looked great. But DeGrom said he's, his arm was dropping yeah, um, he, in the yeah. last inning, and he made to that. So if that is true, that mm-hmm. he admits that, then okay. I can see why he came out. But he was just phenomenal, especially against San Diego, which is a tough, tough, tough lineup. Yeah, if you can go up against San Diego and make them look like little leaguers, then I mean, just imagine what we could do. But that this is Jake. This is you know, this is nothing new. I mean, I, I, I should be used to it by now. But he every time he starts, he just finds a new way to amaze me, and it's just it's just ridiculous. He's just such a pleasure to watch. But yeah, no, it was a great series, and we split it. I'll take that. And again, we meet again at City this weekend. It's only three games though, I believe, right? 23 games, but if we take one out of three, I'll be happy. I can, you know, I'll take one, I'll take one game out of three, set. Yep, and they get a rematch with the Grom on Friday. The Grom so. starting, so we'll see. All right, folks, you asked for it and you've got it. Back by popular demand is Shea It Ain't So. This is a fun little segment on our show where we like to take a look back on some forgettable blunders in Mets history. And Charlie, as you mentioned last time we did this, there are so many, there are simply so many to choose from. Uh, we could probably devote an entire episode to these, but these scenarios are better in in small doses, I think. So 
prepare yourselves as we relive through some Mets misery all over again as we take a look back at some wild, sad, and embarrassing moments in Mets baseball. First one I have here, Mets pitcher Anthony Young lost a record-breaking 27 games in a row from May 6th, 1992 to July 24th, 1993. Talk about a tough stretch. And by the way, that's an MLB record, not a franchise record. <laughs> it's insane. Young ended up breaking the record of 23 consecutive losses previously held by Cliff Curtis in 1910. Who? Yikes. What? <laughs> <laughs> Man, 27 games in a row. And uh, let's see, number two here. In game six of the 1999 NLCS, while their teammates were clawing and scratching their way back into a game, they trailed 5 nothing. Ricky Henderson and Bobby Bonilla played go fish in the clubhouse. Way to lead, <laughs> way to lead by example, guys. Yeah. Come on, man. Sounds like It's all like the Mets. Yeah. yeah. You got any twos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Jeez. All right. Last one I got here. This is a good one. I remember watching this one on TV at the time. Uh, good old Benny Agbayani. You remember him? Well, yeah. yeah. Everyone remembers Benny, except for you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, Benny was an atrocious outfielder. Uh, however, he did catch a ball in an August game versus the Giants. Caught a fly ball and handed the ball to a kid in the first row. Only problem was... It was only the second out. Damn it, Dale. So once Benny realized the error, he ran back to the kid, yanked the ball out of his hands, and tried to make a play. But at that point, it was already too late as the budget scored. Yeah, I remember watching that live. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, and I watched it again today to prepare for this to, to remind myself of just how how sad of a play that was yeah, send me that clip. <laughs> just, I, I it's on it's on youtube but... you can just google <laughs> just, just go to youtube benny agbayani and it's the first video that pops up oh, so God. yeah ju ju just looking at agbayani's face afterwards you could just see him die a little bit inside he I was so embarrassed <laughs> I mean, I, again i remember watching that live and the look on that kid's face you got to go. You got to watch that video. They they show it a few different times in in, in in instant replay. You go back to that video and watch that kid's face. He's just standing there. He gets the ball. He couldn't be more excited. Every kid's dream to get a get a ball at a baseball game, right? He shows his family, and then two seconds later, his hopes and dreams are ripped away as he stands there with a mouthful of ice cream and no baseball. Hey, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> that poor kid. <laughs> All right. Well, Charlie, let's roll right into our Around the League segment. Uh, what player or teams have surpri surprised you the most around uh, Major League Baseball as of late? I mean, with Tampa Bay on this one, Tampa Bay has been playing very, very well. Um, I'm very surprised that Atlanta has not been as great as of yet. Um, I feel by now Atlanta actually is their top team, and I'm very surprised about them that they have not picked up that we actually lose 13 at 13-2. I feel they were turning the corn that we did. Uh, they play the Pirates, but they have really have not been playing that great baseball. And um, it's it's for the Mets to run right now. So, you know, the Mets have to run with this division. They have opportunities. And, um, you know, before the schedule gets really, really tough, that the Mets could pull five games, six games, you know, separation, you have really got time to, you know, calm down and relax. Yeah, Atlanta has not – 
picked up nearly as quickly as I thought they would. I mean, they're, they're a great team, so they're just not playing to their potential right now. But this past weekend, they took two out of three from the Dodgers. So they showed the snippets of how really good of a team they could be. So I, they are, they are going to get there. They're going to start to put it together and, uh, and give us a little run for our money. But we need, at this point in time, we need to take, continue to take advantage and just continue to win ball, keep winning ball games while they're struggling because they're going to, they're going to be coming for us. So we got to make it. Yeah. They beat Bauer. They beat Trevor Bauer. Oh, and, I think uh, Bauer they beat Joe Bauer. I can't stand them. Yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> they beat Bauer and um, Kershaw. So the two, two top starters, they yeah, yeah. So Dodgers have not been playing as well as I would think they would play. They're still a great team. They're still playing great baseball. Yeah, but I did think they would actually be a better team per se. Mm-hmm. That if that makes any sense in itself. Yeah, um, yeah but they were yeah. off to a hot start, but they they kind of fizzled a little bit. They're still playing good yeah. baseball here and there, but that's another strong division, you know, with the Padres and the Giants. Yeah. So everybody nationally has to win their division if they. If they think about making the playoffs, you can't. Uh, the wild card is going to be from those from that from that division itself. Yeah, you can't leave it the chance. Yeah, they got to go all out. That's for sure. But yeah, I, I am a bit surprised by the Braves. But what about? The, did you see the highlights from the Cubs and Pirates game last week with the bizarre rundown play? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, with Javi Baez. I mean, yeah, runner on second that. base. <laughs> Baez hits a ground into third. Easy ground out, right? Routine play. But no, the the Pirates' first baseman doesn't even step on first base. He immediately runs towards Baez to apply the tag. And what does Baez do? He he he's confused because he's never experienced anything like that. <laughs> so he starts running back to home. <laughs> and and in the meantime, the runner from second comes all the way around to score. And then Baez takes advantage of takes advantage of the miscue and he heads to first. He ends up advancing to second on a bad throw. It was just. It was just wild. I had never seen anything. Well, I have. I'm sorry. I, seen, I have seen something like that before when I played in little league. <laughs> but that, that was that was embarrassing for Pittsburgh. I mean, just I don't know why. Why don't you? Why don't you step on first base? I don't understand. I, I, I don't. I don't understand what happened there. That was that was that's what started the whole thing. That was like I don't know what was going through Mets, his head. That looks like the Mets team. <laughs> yeah, it looks like something the Mets would have done. Done. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't. But oh man. And then one thing that has piqued my interest, uh, not necessarily a t- any team in particular, but the MLB as a whole, the Major League Baseball's decision to start going after pitchers using illegal substances on the ball. Um, I, I didn't think MLB was willing to focus on this. Uh, I didn't really think they wanted the attention, but I, I, th- I think they need to. And I, I didn't think it, they would end up cracking down on it, but they the, the threats are there that they're going to start doing this, but considering how ridiculous pitching has been this season and how difficult it is to hit. And especially with, you know, the escalating talks over the last few years and with more and more people coming out and exposing potential cheating scandals, you kind of knew it was coming. I mean, prior to the season, the MLB made it known to the teams that they were going to start looking into this to tr- kind of get the, try to strike a little fear into them. But yeah. nothing has really come of I it. I can't wait to Bauer yeah. gets gets a, gets in that the not. Yes, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it wasn't, and even Garrett Cole. It wasn't until this past week when the officials kind of put it, tried to put the fear of God into players, talking about ten game suspensions and fines and all this. And like overnight, we've already noticed some very peculiar things going on. So, for example, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, right? Two players whose names have been mentioned on numerous occasions of using foreign substances, right? 
but neither have really shied away from it either. They haven't confirmed or denied it. They just kind of, you know, yeah. But, but they had very rough outings as soon as that came out. The, uh, the, the rotation, the rotations on the ball, the RPMs dropped drastically. And both Cole, Cole and, uh, and Bowers' spin rates went down, and they both got walloped by the opposing teams this past week. So take from it what you will. But is it a coincidence that both both had equally bad outings following the MLB the MLB substance reckoning announcement? So who knows? But it'll be interesting to see going forward how it plays out. So I don't know. I I, I really yeah. it's definitely interesting. I hate that people actually picked on the Grom for wiping his nose last game. I don't know if you saw that. They were saying that. Well, is the Grom using substance? He was wiping his nose. The Grom is not using substance. There's no way. That guy just naturally naturally is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact, there's it, no way in how. No, um, no, no but, way. He's yeah. just he's in a league of his own. We know this, and I think yeah. people are just trying to find reasons something. to. Yeah, they're just trying to find nitpick and find something. But it was funny. His teammates came to his defense, and I think it was Polari said, "I can, you know, everyone, you know, uh, Trevor May, uh, Alonzo. They were all saying, no, he's definitely not using anything. This is that's all Jake.' And I think Polari said, "He's definitely not using any substances." Uh, he may, in fact, be from a different planet. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that more than him using substances. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't buy it now. He's just an amazing pitcher, and we are witnessing something very special with him. So hopefully we can get him a championship soon. He deserves it. Um, I do want to talk about something. I don't know if you saw about this. This happened last Thursday. Uh, Tampa Ra- the Tampa Bay Rays minor league pitcher who got hit? Yeah. Um, Tyler, yeah, Zom- Tyler Zombro. Yeah. And they, they call off the game because he got hit with a, what was it, a fastball or right, you know, line yeah. drive. Hit. Comebacker, line drive right to the head. Yeah. He went down. Yeah. yeah. They didn't even finish the game. They called the game. It was yeah. scary. He, yeah. um, he, he collapsed and he started convulsing. It was scary. He was shaking. Ooh, it, it was, that was difficult to watch. I thought um, the, the, the hit that Pilar got when he took that fastball to the face, that was hard to watch, but this, this was equally as disturbing. I mean, you know, cause I mean, Pilar got up, you know, he, you know, this he was bleeding, but he was, you know, he, he got up in 20 seconds. He, he, he showed that he was still good. This, this kid, he went down like a ton of bricks and he was shaken and it, it was, it was very scary. Uh, carried off the field on a stretcher. Uh, supposedly he's in stable condition he's undergoing treatment, but you know, they said he's recovering well. So that that's great news, but but uh, definitely, definitely very scary. And I honestly, I'm surprised that does not happen more often. I mean, you, you see it, you see it here and there, you know, close calls with, with, with comebackers and whatnot. Um, this last one, uh, let's end this on a positive note. This past week, Josh Donaldson scored the two millionth run in Major League Baseball history, um, which is quite the feat. Um, but it got me into looking who scored the one millionth run in baseball. Uh, and that, looking back, that nod goes to Bob Watson of the Houston Astros in on May fourth, nineteen seventy five. So yeah, the million runs. So yeah, yeah, I was I was uh, I was surprised by that. So I I'm not the best at math, Charlie. You might have to help me out with this. <laughs> you know, go back to episode one and just listen to that podcast. You'll know how bad I am. But but I've looked into this a bit more and the numbers really are matching up for me. So again, I'm not the best at math. So correct me if I'm wrong, but so it took 46 years from 1975 to 2021 for major league baseball to score its uh, 2 millionth run, you know, a million to, to 2 million. But prior to that, in order to get to 1 million, 
by Bob Watson, you're talking over a hundred years from the time the MLB started in 18, what was it? 1869. So I, I don't know when they actually started keeping track <laughs> of the runs or what, but, and granted pitching was the golden age of baseball back then. So, you know, they were not scoring nearly as many runs as they do nowadays or even 20, 30 years ago, but um, but wow. So, you know, you're talking about a hundred plus years to reach a million and then 46, 46 years yeah, from there to reach another million. I, so. I, I, yeah. I was good at math in, in, uh, in school. So, let me those You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, I don't know. But again, I who the heck knows? If any any of our listeners out there have an explanation for this, uh, please uh, send us a message. Let us know what we're not seeing here. Yeah, so definitely interesting. So uh, so before we conclude, Charlie, what uh, does what does the Mets upcoming schedule look like over the next couple of weeks? Um, so we have we like we said we had Baltimore, we have San Diego, and then um, after that gets get into our division. We have the Cubs for four games. And then we have the Washington Nationals and Atlanta. Like I said before, we have three doubleheaders in the course of one week, the 19th to the 25th, um, which is going to be a real, real test who, for Rojas, who's going to put out there for the bullpen. And, um, you know, these are seven inning games, but still it's going to be very interesting who's going to be pitching those games. Because, yeah. you know, you can't just go with the Grom and Stroman and Walker all yeah, for all three games, you got to sure, sure. mix and match. And I wonder who they're going to use as starters. I wonder who's going to be surprising. And it's going to be very interesting. But, you know, we're three and a half games up, uh, and we'll see how this goes. Um, they're bringing some news just now. P. Alonzo just hit a 2-1 home run. We lean 2 nothing. Nice. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to end this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, no, continue. Uh, was there uh, any other games coming up that you wanted to mention? No, I'm um, I'm going to be at another game so on June 15th, uh, which is my birthday. So it's going to be against Cubs, which I'm really excited about going to. Um, and the Mets are going to be going home to a back, almost a full house. We're going to be having 33,000 fans. Most of the seats have to be vaccinated, which is now going to be the very hard part to get tickets. You know mm-hmm. how hard it was to get tickets for my birthday, but uh, I bet <laughs> it's good to be a Mets fan that you know. They're going to be almost a, a 78% house full, which is going to be yeah. weird to see. That'll be nice. I'm, glad, I'm so glad we're in the upward trend. Nice. So that'll be good. I hope you enjoy yourself with that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, Charlie. And uh, that, wrap, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you all for listening in. And as always, if you enjoy our content and would like to hear more, please like and subscribe to us on Facebook and Twitter. And thanks again for hanging out with us. And we'll see you back next time for more amazing talk. Mm-hmm.